Welcome back to the Balance Bully Podcast for ambitious women in business and a few brave men. I'm your host, Nikita Rinsigpin. Always thrilled to be in the room with you. Listen, by the age of 23, our next guest was managing a multi-million dollar property asset in Charlotte, North Carolina. She went on to become one of the youngest sales and marketing representatives for a custom home builder in the Charlotte region, where she developed a love of helping people achieve their own piece of the American dream through home ownership. From climbing the career ladder and pushing back against the status quo to create change within systems of injustice and inequity, Elise Maslenik is on a mission to end generational poverty. Elise, welcome to the BBP. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing well. You are welcome. So of course, everyone is going to ask the big question of your ending generational poverty. What does that look like? And what brought you to this space in your life? Sure. So um, I founded Redefine Advisors, which is a development company for private institutions across the US. And what we do and what we realized in in my childhood is I grew up really poor Mm -hmm. and the public school was really failing me and my siblings. But unlike a wealthy family, we didn't have the ability to get out of that system, right? And get the education that we needed to set us up for a successful life Mm -hmm. and end that cycle of generational poverty. So we created Redefined Advisors that we raise financial aid and scholarships for students that are stuck in a failing school system and can't afford to get out of it because they cannot afford tuition. So we, through our fundraising efforts, give them the ability to get out of a failing educational system and have the opportunity to go to a school that better fits their needs, better sets them up for success in the future, and gives them that great, strong foundation in education to stop that cycle of poverty into their future. Nice. That is awesome. So what does your fundraising efforts look like? Are you guys putting events together or knocking on doors, very old school style? What's what's happening in your world there so people can support it? Sure. We are actually very new age, I guess. We um, used to hold events in person, but COVID really changed everything. So we have raised um, total, as we sit today, $11 million Mm -hmm. um, since we started. And about eight of that has been over Zoom. Really? Yes. So we have taken all of our in-person events and moved them virtually online. Mm -hmm. And that's how we raise the funding for our students. No, I love that on so many levels, because what you just did by sharing that is for anyone who's listening, and about 80% of our listeners are entrepreneurs. For anyone who's listening, who's thinking, you know, how do I infuse cash into my nonprofit that's doing these big impactful things and and trying to create a rippled imprint into our multi-generational society. How do I do that? Because I don't have $5,000 to book the hotel and then deal with all the food costs and the beverages and who shows and doesn't show and all of that. Or maybe they do have the money, but don't have the bandwidth and their energy and resources to create that. You're using a roughly $20 a month (laughs) Zoom link to create events. And I'm sure there's more layers that go into it. 
but the barrier to entry just got removed or at least lowered to roughly $20 by seeing yourself and redefined advisors for what your company is doing as a model for what can happen. And of course, the the background is, yes, you were a young woman climbing the corporate ladder and deciding to create this equity in the world where inequity exists, existed. But what really drove you to do that? Because there's a lot of people who would say, well, I didn't really have money and my parents didn't really have tools to pass down on me. And they just went a traditional route, right? And just went to school or just went to work. Well, what made the difference for you? What's so interesting, I'm actually writing a book on it right now, but um, you know what it was? I was really angry. Yeah. I was really angry with how the world treated me and everything that life threw at me at such a young age. And I was not one of those women that could be in corporate America and have my you know, male bosses talk down to me. It, it did not work for me. And um, eventually I got angry enough to just be so defiant to say, you don't think I can do it, or at least you're speaking to me in a manner that leads me to believe that I cannot do it. So I'm going to prove you wrong. Mm, yeah, that anger is a powerful thing <laughs> when you use it correctly, right? Like when you use it to fuel you versus allowing it to hold you hostage in your body, in your spirit, in your mind, in your circumstances. And it doesn't take away from anyone who's really in a tsunami of life Mm -hmm. right now. And the the storms that you and I know can happen at any age, at any stage of your life and career. But it does make you shift your perspective a little bit. Well, what can I do with this feeling that's going on within me? Is it something that has to be a barrier or can I use it and turn it into fuel? So I know a lot of what you talk about is, you know, fighting the the odds that life has given you and being able to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, if you will. That's not language that you use, but, you yes. know, being able to do that. Did you have a community that helped you do it? Or was there a sp- specific human that was really supportive or a professor said something to you, you know, that made you want to say, I'm going to do it differently. Like, was there something that when you think back to that moment where the shift propelled you out from the anger that could have held you versus the anger Mm -hmm. that fueled you? Do you remember that moment? Yes. I was in a meeting with my old boss and he had his boss in the room. And um, I said, look, I, I filed for my LLC. I have a school that wants to hire just me. They will not hire this company. Um, I, I want to talk partnership. And the most that um, he would offer was 10%, which meant that I couldn't steer the ship. Mm-hmm. And I had just this vision of what I could build and what it could be. And not only what it could be, but... I knew that I would be a good steward of success, that I would not hoard it and that I would allow the blessings that came to me to bless other people. And it wasn't, I wasn't going to stop that flow of blessing. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was very much happening um, in the company that I worked for. So in that moment, when he said, that's the best that I can offer you. And if you can't take that, you know, you should be grateful. And I had a moment that I thought, No. And I looked at him and I said, you're really going to regret this. You're really going to regret this. And I walked out and that was the end of it. But I did also have 
I've always been kind of a loner in mm-hmm. life, if that makes sense. Like just yeah. a drifter. I've never really had, you know, close friends that I've always stayed close with. I've just always been a loner. But I did at the time have a really close coworker and she knew my plan mm-hmm. and I would bounce these ideas off of her. And she said, it's a little crazy, but if anyone's going to make it happen, it's going to be you. And the moment that you sign your first big deal, you call me and I'm, I'm on my way. And she was, she was the first person I called and she quit the job that day and joined forces with me. Wow. And you know, that speaks to not just accountability, but having someone that can be a cheerleader of sorts in you, because we all do have those moments, no matter how dope we are, that we doubt and we question and we pull back and get into that little analysis paralysis and the rumination stage of, will this really work? Am I doing it too fast? Is this the right angle? Will they hear me? Will they appreciate this big audacious to her point? It's a little crazy, (laughs) but what in life isn't? that's worth doing, right? That it's typically something that feels so much bigger than you that is pulling you forth. And this, this, what you're doing right now through Redefine Advisors is way bigger than one human could have ever really truly imagined, but you did, you imagined it. And I'm sure you hit all kinds of emotional roller coasters and... Yes. Yes. And I think that's one thing too, um, as a founder of of a startup, just really starting from scratch, I never owned a business before. And I was just, I was postpartum. I just had my son six weeks prior Mm. at my third. It was my third child. I was tired and just trying to navigate that. I always say she played such a vital role in the success, whether she was, you know, on the team yet or not, just being able to say like, Hey, this is my idea. What do you think about it? And she was just such a guiding light Mm -hmm. in me building the full concept Mm -hmm. of where we are now. Yeah. It, It makes a huge difference. What would you say at least to people who are sitting in a space of transition, whether they have a company that they're revamping, remodeling, take blowing out (laughs) the bottom out of to to rebuild it, or they're leaving corporate, which is about 20% of our audience. They're in these corporate spaces where they have maxed out their growth potential or maybe their interest, and they're ready to do something different because maybe they have a boss that is speaking to them the way that your ex, and you get to say that proudly, your ex boss (laughs) did, Mm -hmm. and they feel very hindered by it. What would you say to them as a word of encouragement for how they can create their, what we call work life and love balance mm-hmm. themselves and not feel yeah. like they, they're never going to be able to do it because somebody is telling them that 10% is all they should be grateful for. What would you say to um, them? W- one of the words of encouragement, and I don't say this as like, um, you know, oh, look at this, but I now, my company brings in twice what I made in a whole year in one month. Mm -hmm. It is possible. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely possible. And I have the best work-life love balance that I did in corporate America. If in your heart, that's something that pulls at you, right? Every day that you wake up and in some point of the day, you think about jumping and going into that unknown, I am telling you today, let me be your cheerleader because you should absolutely take that shot. 
we oftentimes, you know, will gamble on other things, but take that gamble on yourself because if you're continually feeling that, there's a reason and you're never going to regret trying, but you will regret 10 years from now. And I know I would 10 years from now being in that same job and not getting the chance to even fail. Like I would have, I was at that point where I was willing to fail just so that I could take a shot on me. And I hope that people can see that it is scary. It is so, so, so scary when you actually leave a job and you don't have another paycheck coming. That was so scary to me. But what was scary is being at the end of my life on my deathbed and realizing that I never actually took a chance on myself. Yeah, that that's a a bigger, wider, deeper, almost morbid reminder that all of us have to think about. Like if you have breath in your body, there is one guarantee in this life with all the change and all the differences and all the diversity. The one guarantee is if you have breathed, you will stop breathing at some point. Mm -hmm. And the reality of that is that space, that dash in between the 1985 to, you know, whatever, hopefully 40 plus years from this moment in time that you get to live a high quality life, that you really have had high quality life, that you've taken your curiosity and leaned into adventure, that you've played, that you've loved and that you've lost because you built so many muscles and you have so many opportunities to experience the full range of emotions, which no one gets to take that away from you. That is yours that you get to own, regardless of who your parents were, regardless mm-hmm. of what they had access to or didn't, regardless of your trauma, which is not to demean it or to dismiss it, but it's a regardless because you still have breath in your body and you still mm-hmm. get to have opportunity to do things differently than maybe mm-hmm. even with best intentions that people sure. in your life and your ecosystem had tried to do with you. So I hear mm-hmm. you fully. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. I hear you yeah. fully with that. When you think about your life now, and you said you had three children at the time when your third was born, is that where you are now? Do you have three or have me. you continued to spread the love? <laughs> no, uh, three, three was our cap. Um, okay. <laughs> we had um, our last two back to back. I mean, 14, mm-hmm. 13 and a half months apart. Um, so we, we were, um, we're, we're finally, our youngest will be two in July and nice. we're, we're good. I think on this, on three, I've always thought <laughs> I would have four, but you know, three was a, a big adjustment so quickly. So we'll yeah. see in the future, but I'm, I'm good now. <laughs> well, I mean, redefined advisors might be your fourth, right? Like- <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. I always say it's so interesting. It's, I always say that I was raising a newborn and raising a company at the same time. It was very similar. The no sleeping, the worrying, the juggling so many different actions and responsibilities at the same time. It it was very similar. Yeah. No, I I hear that from a lot of, we work with power couples and what we call potent humans, which are women visionary founders and entrepreneurs, helping them to create these sustainable businesses so they can ultimately have these beautiful, blissful relationships and space for it all, including themselves. And that is a challenge when you're in the season of 
dominating is what mm-hmm. I like to say, because there's a work rest style. You have to recognize the season that you're in. Some seasons are going to be, like you said, late nights, early mornings with a few bird power naps in between. And other seasons will have more lusciousness inside of it and space for vacations and you know, walking and longer hour naps and all, all the different things that you you know, want to lean into. But when you're able to infuse a version of this into your business model, when it's mature enough to handle that kind of growth change, it literally makes a huge difference. And you you no longer have created a job for yourself. You created something that can create ripples of impact for multiple generations to come, which is your ultimate goal. I love that you say that because I, this year for us is really about this saying, I heard this one time, it said, if you build a business that needs you, and if you would walk away, all you've done is built for yourself a job. But if you can create a business that can thrive and continue to grow without you, congratulations, you've built success. Come on. And that is our mantra this year is really to set the business up. You know, that first year, almost two years was really all about us and just building. And now it's cool to see us implementing teams of, um, of people that can really take on this company and the culture and allow it to grow without us. Yeah. Without us. Yeah, it makes a huge difference, which leads me to my question, because now you're creating, you know, I say systems and thick thighs save lives, but because <laughs> I'm telling on myself. But now that you're creating these systems and the thick lives that are comforting to the core pillars of your business, how are you giving yourself permission to pause? Well, that is that's such a good question, because I give myself permission thought wise by saying, I've spent my whole life fighting. Mm-hmm. I've spent my whole life fighting and I deserve mm-hmm. a break. Um, I am no longer running, if that makes sense. I feel like yes. I have run just a marathon for 30 plus years, right? And I finally arrived at a spot where I look back and I'm like, I'm far enough. Mm-hmm. I'm far enough. So I think mentally that is how I give myself permission. But what do I do? I really love, you know, going outside and listening. I, I'm a big gospel music person. So mm-hmm. I go outside and put my headphones in and listen to inspirational music, gospel music to just really feel the blessing and gratitude that's on my life right now, yes. because there have been so many moments where it was so dark, I couldn't see mm-hmm. any blessing. So I really try to soak every moment of joy and absorb it. Um, to the best of my ability, because I, I remember times where there, it wasn't possible for me to do that. Yeah, I love that. Well, music is healing. It lowers anxiety, stress. It increases oxytocin, right? Like there's so many beautiful things that come from that. You add in the fact that it's spiritually principled and centric music as a whole, another bounty and nature is therapy. So you're literally giving yourself that space to be refueled and restored at the same time, which is a little bit different from each other. But I appreciate that because when you have such a heavy crown to wear, that responsibility for all of these generational poverty eliminating moments that your your company, not just you, 
but your mm-hmm. company, your team, your leadership is creating, you have the responsibility, I call it being intentionally selfish, to create that space for you to have that time with God, to have that time for yourself, to make sure that you are fueled up so that mm-hmm. when you pour out, it's not toxicity. So the fact that you're doing that makes you a different and also a better leader that other people want to surround themselves with and model after, which creates its own ripple that has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with the money, but Mm -hmm. amplifies all of it. I always say that it's, I am so transparent with my team about taking time for myself and for that, like for them, Mm -hmm. I want them to be the best versions of themselves outside of work. And I always say our whole goal is to make sure other people's lives are better. That Mm -hmm. is the goal of our company. But how can we expect our team members to be concerned about other people's betterment of their life if they're busy trying to survive on their own? Come on. It's like, that's the human element. Like, we cannot expect them to give and give to other people if they can't even stand up and feel solid in the ground that they stand on. Uh, 1000%. Everything that you just described in the latter half was a huge reason for me personally when I decided to, like my background is psychotherapy, trauma specialist, um, specifically in medical, clinical, social work. And I loved my job. I was good at what I did, but it held me in survivor mode. So it didn't allow me to be the best wife, the best mother, you know, the best community servant, the servant leader that all of those hats and so many more best student, all of that that I had because I was in survivor mode. And many of the people I was serving, I was serving them to be in a better position than I could even be, which made it not a jealousy or envious moment, but it made it unaligned. And mm-hmm. I believe in decency and order. And it was out of order because of a systemic issue. Social workers are paid less than teachers. Teachers are clearly underpaid, right? Like there's all of that. You add in psychotherapy, trauma, all of the licenses doesn't move the dollar at all. Doesn't even matter how much school and how many degrees you have, but you're helping all these people and you yourself are trying to like catch air. And that was so literally out of order on all the levels. And that was one of the huge reasons under following the vision that I personally received from God for me to do what I do now under this institute. That was my reason for jumping without a parachute. So I hear you completely. And it was crazy and wild. And somehow my husband agreed to it. (laughs) It's so funny that you say that too, Nikita, because I always say I I had been saying for months that I felt God was telling me I needed to do this. Like, Mm -hmm. and every day that I ignored it, I'm not joking. Every day got so uncomfortable in my skin to the point where I was genuinely, I could not live in my body Mm -hmm. until I did it. And I was so passionate at the point where I brought it to my husband. He was like, go for it. Like, I know you're not going to give up until you do it. And I genuinely feel that the moment that I made that decision, the moment that I made this decision, it just all opened up. So it was, I, and I said, God, I'm going to walk fully, fully into fear yes, and trust you fully. And it's so interesting because we, we, Brooke and I, the, the girl that I work with, that's been with me from the beginning. We have always said every moment that we doubt 
a decision or try to hold back and not walk into the fear. We stress. And then the moment that we do, there's a sign that there was, yes, we need to just trust fully in him and step into the fear of the unknown. At least mic drop. That's a whole, there's a, another show that I haven't actually even talked to the listeners about. So now we're just dropping dimes, I guess, um, <laughs> on it. So I, with witty tongue in cheek, say I'm a lazy overachiever. And, you know, overachiever and lazy don't actually go in the same bucket, right? But it's me honoring my need for rest, me honoring that I have to create that time for me personally to connect with God. Like that is me honoring it, which means I can't be doing spreadsheets and all the things or as a balance and relationship advisor, helping couples with their orgasms, which is amazing. And that's part of how God has led me to build stronger families. But I can't do that if I'm supposed to be over here being in attention, right? Recentered, refueled, connected to my principal values and standards. So mm-hmm. as a lazy overachiever, it's really about honoring your work rest styles and mm-hmm. honoring exactly what you said. Like, this is something that you have to be willing to be bold and brave and audacious about. Other people are going to be like, you heard from who? God <laughs> told you what? To leave that good check? What? <laughs> you know, right? like, yeah. you don't have that. But if you truly believe, if you learn to trust more, you can work less. And work mm-hmm. less isn't necessarily an hour for hour. It's a different version of emotional exhaustion and the pouring out of yourself from places of physical control when we're spiritual beings. Come on, like we're about to have a whole yes. nother yes. Yes. <laughs> conversation, yes. right? And just leaning into that was probably the scariest thing that I've ever done in my life. And I've done a lot of scary things and dealt with a lot of scary situations, but it was yep. also the best decision. Yeah. I always say we are we are humans having a spiritual, everyone believes that we're humans having a spiritual experience, but we really are spiritual beings having a human experience. And I think that's why sometimes that there is that stress and anxiety, because oftentimes we we try to look at it from the first sentence instead of the latter. I, I could not agree more. Absolutely. And it does make you look different from people who don't agree, haven't seen, haven't to use conventional wisdom, haven't opened up their eyes, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the woke versus unwoke, mm-hmm. you know, sure. I try not to sound like my 22 year old, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, having that energy of it and it does make a difference, but if you're willing to be awkward and uncomfortable and to look different, you are free and you literally get to help free the chains of other people who are trapped in those systems, what, regardless of what it looks like, to think that this is how bosses talk to you, to think that you have to be grateful for the 10% and to hide behind gratitude is a whole nother episode, right? Like it's a whole nother conversation because people will do that too. Like, well, I already have three beautiful kids and a husband and a good job, so I should just be fine. But if you're called to something bigger, how dare you? How yes. dare you? Yes. Limit yourself to being bound to what other people say should be good enough. When yes. you know there's so much more responsibility you have. Yes, I 100% agree with you. I feel like I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started. So at least tell everyone where they can find more of your work, your team, and how they can support. Sure. Sure. So our website is uh, redefiningeducation.org. We have a Triumph Over Tragedy Scholarship 
that we give out to students that have faced um, an unimaginable amount of trauma and we give them additional scholarships. So please, um, if you know a student that uh, could use some help, send them our way. Um, you can read about how you can leverage the tax dollars that you already pay for uh, scholarship programs in um, our state and across the U.S. And then you can find us on me on LinkedIn, um, Elise Maslonic. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. It's one of the only platforms that I really use. Uh, and I love it over there. So I look forward to meeting everyone and connecting with you. Oh, I'm honored and thrilled that you carved out time to pour out your story, open up the curtain and let people see the Elise behind the 11 million plus dollar <laughs> raising, right? Like the, all the, the parts of you that people don't get to see that get to inspire them to do something different, to be awkward, to be uncomfortable and push back against the status quo by, as you said, like literally moving into the fear, like doing it anyway. I think it's, it's beautiful and it can be brutal but it is absolutely a way to balance boldly. So thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Balance Boldly listeners, thank you as always for showing up and showing out by staying to the end. So if you are new to the BBP, I ask two favors because if you heard me earlier, I am an intentionally selfish human. I believe in being bold and honest and transparent. And because I take out the time to gift myself with spaciousness and forgiveness and all the work that I need to do for me, I have no problem asking you. So I'm asking for two things. First, I want you to think of at least one person in your ecosystem that could absolutely benefit from Elisa's story. Whether it's what she personally shared and someone just needs to be inspired and you know that they need to hear this so they can jump to and leave that system and those circumstances that are hindering them or someone that you know who could be served through her foundation. Share with at least one person. The second thing I need you to do is enjoy the balance of your day, but remember, do it boldly.